the uh, the major points we're going to talk about, we will, we will agree on the per, the uh, the drilling down. You may not agree with everything that I present today, but we would all agree that uh, of the major tenets of the birth of Christ. But you may not agree with every single little nuance that I present today, and that is fine. You don't have to, but I would just present a salient reason, explanation why we do these things is so that you can give an answer to your grandchildren and children. How does it work? Was the star a real star? How many wise men were they? Were they at the manger? Were the shepherds at the manger that very night? How did the shepherds know what manger to go to? Were they, how did the angel know what shepherds to go to? Were they looking for the Messiah? Were they special sheep raised, and were they were they raising special sheep? Those shepherds that might possibly go to be offered as at the Passover time. That all these things. How far is Bethlehem from Jerusalem? Was that a long way to go? How far is Bethlehem from Nazareth? Is that a very long way to go? I mean, what is the all these things about the Christmas story? We just we just. Sometimes we don't think them through. I want you to see from Scripture, especially in the morning's message, the Bible is so spot on all the time, everything. It agrees on things, and it presents the idea of the virgin birth, which will be the Sunday morning message in chapter, in chapter 1. But the Bible is so informative. And the more you learn, the more I want you to, the desire to study. And that's what we should be. It is, it is a wonderful, wonderful, it is God's love letter to us. It is without error. It is all those wonderful things. You can give it whatever accolade you want to give it. If you're tuning in online, we are, the pastor's hunting for glasses. If you're just wondering, if you're not here wondering what he's doing, he found glasses. All right, there we go. We are in Matthew chapter, turning my phone off here. Turn all the ringer off. Matthew chapter 2. So, was Matthew one of the apostles? Twelve apostles, disciples. Was Matthew one? Yes, thank you. He was. He was one. The first part of chapter one, which I was reading through this morning, interesting, interesting, try to read through chapter one of Matthew, starting at verse one, all the way through 17. And when you read the New Testament, the names are sometimes a little bit differently spelled in the Septuagint, or then later on in the New Testament, than they are in the Old Testament time. There are, there are how many ladies in the... How many ladies were there? There were four. <laughs> right, thank you. There were four. Four ladies in this account here. We've got, who are they? Who are the four ladies in the first 16 verses? Okay. Yes, before we even get to that, who in the genealogy of Jesus, who are the four women that are part of it? Can you name them? Ruth? Rahab? Tamar? Bathsheba, very good. Those four ladies are part of the, uh, and this presents Christ's royal line, if you would, uh, through uh, Christ's royal line through Joseph, starting at verse 16. And we find that Joseph, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. And so that is the royal line through Joseph, etc. Now we know that Joseph had no earthly connection with Jesus as far as being his father, but he was his Lagardian father, if you will. He wasn't his physical father. We come to chapter 2 then, and it's been some time. We talked about last time, if you're following along in our notes, uh, there's three different responses to Christ. There's Herod was hostile, B, indifferent, chief priest, Worship him are the Magi, Magioi, comes from the Greek language there, wise men, we get our word magician from that, and so that's where that's the, the Magi, so there's three different responses, there's hostility, there's indifference, and there is 
uh, acceptance. What, where would you put America today? Hostility, indifference, worship. Let's give a percentage of all Americans and all, all, all Americans today on this new Christmas Eve. Hostility, what, we, what percentage are we going to put in hostile? 60%. All right. If, so how many is it? Okay, then we have uh, indifferent. 30. These are with 10. 60, 30, 10. That would be sowing the seed. Some 60, some 30, some 10, whatever. 100%. Anyway, so that would be, uh, you can do your own, but that's, uh, we, that's where we are in America. We would see, you could almost put everybody in that category. There's so much hostility to Christ, a lot of indifference even in our churches. And there are some, praise the Lord, which is why you're here, I trust, on Sunday morning, we want to worship the Savior. Uh, so the arrival of the Magi, we find they arrived several months after Christ was born, up to maybe a year and a half, maybe. Again, these specific details, we don't have the exact amount, but I'm giving you some idea of what could have... Some, it was certainly at least several months after his birth. They, he was in a house. Now, why would he say that? He was in a house in Matthew 2 opposed, as opposed to a manger. Circumcision and purification were over. A pair of turtle doves have been offered. Matthew 2.9 is, uh, is a child, Paden, where in Luke 2, it is a brephos, an un, even an unborn child or infant can be. And Herod kills all the children, two and under. So that was to cover the Christ child. B, Bethlehem, Judea. There are, reading last night, over 20 Bethlehems in the world proper. Can you name uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is the one I can think of? Bethlehem, New Hampshire. There were two. Two in Israel at that point in time, just two. I thought there was more, but just two. There's Bethlehem of Judea and another Bethlehem in the north of Galilee. And so this is, that's why you find over in, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, for hear us here, but thou Bethlehem Ephrathah. Ephrathah, I remember how to pronounce it. Though thou be little among the thousands, so it's not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, not Bethlehem in Galilee, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. That's why we have that specific delineation. I'm not sure there are other greenups in America. Are there other greenup counties? There are, okay. So we would need to say greenup of eastern Kentucky so we know where we're going. Uh, so we find then at Bethlehem of Judea, once called, uh, called Ephrath or Ephrathah, it means house of bread, Beit Lechem. If you want to say it in the, in the Hebrew, I think it's Hebrew tongue, Beit Lechem. Uh, Herod the Great, we talked about him last time. He's not really so great. He was the descendant of Esau. We saw all that last time, and we came D down to D. What we know, first of all, we do not know. We do not know their number. We have three gifts, and we think three wise men. Let's read the account, and we'll continue. Pick up at the bottom of D at number four is where we left off. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For... We have seen, so important, his star in the east and are come to worship him. And when Herod heard of these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them, I like that, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, perhaps without, without even thinking or consulting the scrolls, and Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Now, we don't know. Perhaps they brought the scroll with them. I don't know. But it was something they could, I, I'm guessing, could easily access. But thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So now, why did we go to Bethlehem? It's right there. 
the wise men were going to Jerusalem because a king of the Jews would be born in Jerusalem. Now they found out more specifically, according to prophecy, it is Bethlehem. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, why was he inquiring? When the star appeared, so he would know how old the child might be now, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. When you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Hmm, not a bit of truth in that last part. He was not going to worship him, had no intention to. And when they'd heard the king, you know, just for stuff, if he really wanted to do that, what would he get? He'd get off his throne, he'd get on his camel, and he would go. I mean, if you really, really, it's like if you want to really be a Christian that follows Christ, you will be obedient. We test, your, we test my obedience and you test your obedience by how you obey, how you, worship, how you serve Christ. If you say you're a Christian, then we need to be obedient. That's what he expects of us. He will take, I won't say he will take it. But he has to live with modem, modicum of obedience. What he wants from us is worship and service and doing what he has asked us to do. If Herod had really meant to worship the Christ child, he would have humbled himself and trotted off or waddled off or however how big he was, we don't know. But he would have gone to Bethlehem and found the Christ child and humbled himself there. Humility, though, is a very difficult thing for we humans to swallow. We want to be somebody. We, we want to be, it's all about me. Herod had that problem. Matter of fact, he was in his 70s. It's not like he had a long, it's not like he lived before the flood where he lived to 900 years old. His time was running out. Matter of fact, he's like only one or two or three years the most left. He's going to die. If you really wanted Herod, and by the way, if you really want to serve the Lord, we will. You do what you want. You will do what you really want to do. And when they heard the king, they departed. Now the wise men, they're on the happy side because they're come to worship. And they, and they left, they're going to leave. They departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the third young child was. Third time we see the word star in our verses. And when they saw the star, it might be the fourth time, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they're coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and opened their treasures, presented to him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know how long they stayed. Perhaps it was just an hour or two. I don't know. We don't know. And being warned of God in a dream, evidently, he's at least, and I'm, I'm just going to draw a connection there. If he's dreaming, either he fell asleep during the day, that very same day, or at least they stayed one night. I don't know. We, can just, we, don't have, we don't have to decide on that. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their own country another way. We decided last time, I have decided, that they were in tune with God. God has spoken to people through dreams. Non-believers, you got Nebuchadnezzar, you got Abimelech. But I think these wise men had been in tune with God, been looking for God. I think it's been passed down personally since the time of Daniel. Some believe, if you look back at Numbers 24, verse 17, that Balaam was the very first one. If, let's look back there for just a moment. Numbers 24, 17, if you would there, please. I'm not saying he was. Balaam is really, he's like he breaks the mold, Balaam does. Uh, that's, but he just is unusual. God used him, but he was not. He's like, how does that, you know, uh, went to curse him, and yet God used him to bless him, and he spoke through Balaam, and how does all that work? I, I was reading today, 
Ian Paisley says that God's not a quartet. Why can't we understand the Trinity? God's not a quartet. <laughs> so there we are. It's, it's he know God knows. We don't, we aren't, now, we can learn about God, but that God's forever going to be greater than us. And why, why does God, well, God has a purpose in all this. And Balaam is used by God for a wonderful prophecy. Look at for yourself. 24, 17 of Numbers. Numbers 24. And I shall see him. Shall we back up to the beginning? We shall. 14. Now behold, this is the fourth oracle of Balaam. Balak, as you well know, the king is quite angry. Because Balaam is supposed to have been cursing, and three times now, three times my fingers, three times now, he's blessed Israel. I go into my people. Come therefore, and I will advertise thee what this people, the people shall do to thy people in the latter days. Balak says, I'm going to do this, etc. Verse 15, he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor has said, and the man whose eyes are open has said, he has said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter king shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Seth, and Edom shall be a possession of Seir, Seir shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have, what? Dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. Now you well know that there are immediate uh, prophetic uh, utterances for the near future, and then there are some for the far future. The, a star! And then follow a scepter, a king shall come that will have, in verse 19, dominion. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful prophecy, I believe, of the coming time when Christ will be born. Uh, what we don't know, we've covered that. And the, it appeared, this, these uh, magi appeared in the 7th century, associated, I believe, I personally believe, from Daniel on. If you look in Esther chapter 8, you will see why I would say that these are, uh, let's go, if you turn with me please, Esther chapter 8. You know, can you tell me a little bit about the captivity of Israel? Can you tell me a little bit about the captivity of Israel and when did that start? Israel's captivity. You might remember, as we're turning to Esther, Ezra, Esther, Nehemiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, sorry. Esther 8. 17. All right, I will answer that question. I'll answer, okay, uh, it started 605, ended in 535. We come on Esther, and we know that about 443, when the edict to return to rebuild the temple. So that's the time frame that Esther comes a little before that. And Esther 817 says for us here, and in every province and in every city, Whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness. What is this feast called? What is this feast called in Esther where they were celebrated? Purim. P-U-R-I-M. Purim. Uh, and the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became what? Jews. Jews, for fear the Jews fell upon them. I think from Daniel, did Daniel not have a significant influence on the Babylonian Empire, on the Persian Empire? He did. And he, what was he in the empire? He was numero uno 
He was like, of all the big wigs, he was the biggest wig. I don't know if they wore wigs back then or not. By the way, you have to realize Daniel did all this. The first thing that happened to Daniel when he went to Babylon was probably was made a eunuch. That's the very that's the way they did, that's the way they did. Every, every, every man was done that way. Now, you think for just a moment. He was a man that served God, even though he more than like, almost, almost very, very likely had gone through that physical limitation, if you want to call it that, and yet he walked with God. He threw his windows open three times a day. He praised to God. He prayed to God. He faithfully served God. He stood with Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar had these dreams. I think he stood with Nebuchadnezzar while Nebuchadnezzar was out in the wild for seven years. I think he stood with Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar came back. And Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember, of all the earthly kings, he says in chapter Daniel chapter 4 at the very end, he says some wonderful things. Let's read that for just a moment. Daniel chapter 4, please. Daniel 4, if you want to get over there with me, or don't have to, and at the end of days 34, I'm reading from Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar has been restored. He was seven, why was he seven, why was he seven years eating grass? Can you give me a one adjective? Proud, yes, pride. Pride goes before destruction. Isn't it interesting how the seven, six things that, yea, seven are an abomination to God, can you name what's the first one? Pride. It's like from the pride, arrogance, trickles down almost a lot of these other things. But Nebuchadnezzar, if you're, fall, if you're still there with me, how are we getting this far off? Because I want you to... This is what Bible study is in my mind, thinking you find... What, where, where do we find... If you want to know the commentary, where do we want... This is where you go right here. If you want to, Why does that happen? At the end of the days, this is Daniel's influence. I think he trickled down all the way through the wise men, I believe, personally, all the way through these wise men in, in Matthew 2. In the days that I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom and mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. Now, I, don't, I can't say with certainty he got right with God. But I'm telling you, his words are grandiose. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those who walk in pride, he is able to abase. Let me just tell you, if there's one man in all of history who could say, listen, pride goeth before destruction and, and a haunted spirit for a great fall. He was looking out over, oh, look, at what I have built and tum, a beast. Now, I'm not into lycanthropy. And we know what that is. Lycanthropy is when a human being turns into an animal and an animal then can revert back. But I'm telling you, in this one case, we have Nebuchadnezzar. God allowed him to become nearly animal-like and uh, was set aside. Let's go back to our text, please. Back to Matthew chapter 2. Woohoo! There's just so much in God's Word as you study. And you think, I ask a lot of questions. You should listen to Stephen Chronister on Sermon Audio sometime. You talk about questions. He makes, he's made me think uh, so much. Anyway, Golgotha, 
that him look like a skull? Goliath, where Goliath's head was buried. You should, is one sermon is worth it if you just listen to one sermon on how he traces how Goliath is a, a type of the Antichrist and then David cuts off his head. The spear used to pierce Christ's side where Judas loses, ends his life. All these things, it's just, it's amazing how they, in his, and scripturally often too as well, tie together. We're back over to our text. So we find here that in our, in our outline, we're at the very bottom, because of their combined knowledge, these men of sect with no science and agriculture and mathematics and history, they had such a great influence. They were not kings, we do not believe. They were kingmakers, I believe, but they were not really kings. Uh, they would appoint the kings in Daniel's day. The Magi were among the highest rank officials in Babylon. You can see in there the plot against Daniel. Evidently, it was the satraps and the commissioners, but it was not these wise men. If you remember, when they could not answer the dream, could not interpret the dream, what did Nebuchadnezzar threaten to do to all the wise men? Exactly. And Daniel, praise the Lord, God gave Daniel the answer to the dream. Did Daniel give God credit for everything that God did through him? Yes. Yes. And he was so careful. And we should do the same thing. If we do anything for God in this life, it's him working through us. It's, it's not your wonderful, and he's given all of us abilities, but that, he just, we have to lay at his feet and allow him to use us. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. It's the Lord who built this church. It, it's, it's working through the people who, who gave and willingly submitted, but this is God's church. So when I'm gone, seven hours gone, someone else needs to take up the banner and continue on until the rapture. My son told me, he said, whoever raids your house after the rapture is going to have a lot of ammo and guns to use. <laughs> whoever, after the rapture, they can have it. Okay, there we go. Unless I'm wrong, and it's a mid-tribulation rapture, or it's a post-tribulation rapture, or there's not even a rapture. It's all, and so, but I think from a literal reading, I, I'm counting on that being correct. If not, we'll have to adjust. Think about this. How many people, when they go up in the air, who had not believed in the coming of Christ, as the, I think the Bible clearly says, or, wow, I was wrong about that, and here we go, woohoo, up they go. And they may be us, as we, we're going through it, wow, man, I really missed that one, but I should, have, I should have dug me out of something in the ground to save myself. Shall we go on? We shall. Through Daniel's position, the bottom of page one, and respect given to him by other magi, it only follow, the magi learned about the one true God. How would we say that? Because they say we have come to see the, the king of the Jews. And two, by the way, is Christ king of the Jews? Is he king of us? What does he have on his side in Revelation 19? He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is it. There's, there, there's no one who can supersede our Savior. And yet, in this text... And Luke, he humbles himself to be born for us, to be placed in Mary's womb and to, to live. And the, the virgin birth is not about Mary had, had only a one-minute labor, and he comes out. That's not the, the virgin birth. The miraculous, miraculous thing is the Holy Spirit placed Christ into her womb. That's, when you hear immaculate conception, that's the Roman teaching, Catholic teaching of Mary, that she was immaculately conceived and lived a sinless life and died without ever having sin and perpetual virginity. That's, that's in 1850, I will say it in the sermon, 1850-something. That's not, immaculate conception does not apply to Christ in the spiritual realm today. It's the virgin birth that a lady who had never known a man 
gave birth, predicted by Isaiah. Let's continue on. We flip the page, page two. Now, some probabilities that we can now be deduce, the Magi, wise men, were one from the east. Why would we say that? Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now, where is the east? Here is, here is I'll, give, I'll just try to do it backwards. Here is Israel. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. Here's Israel. The east is this way. Who's over here? Who's over here today? A lot of different people. A lot of different people. That's correct. Who's over here, Who's over here today? We have is it Iran right here, Iran, Iran, and then there's up here. Who's right up here now today? Russia. Up here today is Russia. Right below here is Turkey. So you have Israel. So to the east over here, that is, uh, some people said it's the cradle of the civilization. It's the Babylonian world, the, 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 uh, the Tower of Babel. It's, it's possibly the Garden of Eden. We don't know those things. But that's from the east. They had to come this way possibly, more says, five to 600 miles. We can say with certainty they're from the east. The Bible says that clearly. Magi. Persians? Yes. Who is Persia today? Iran, yes. 1935, Iran, uh, Persia became Iran, yes. Who is supporting all the anti-Israel, anti-American things today? You can almost put a lot of it, almost, I I don't know, I won't say 90%, 90%, but it's a lot right at their feet. They're anti, so you know know now we have a coalition. We'll get get on that. Let's go back, back to, true, the Magi, strong influenced by Judaism, I believe, why would we say Judaism? When did Judaism start? I'm on top of page two, number two, under that first letter. Judaism started when did this, the idea of Jews can be called after the, after the captivity. Before the captivity, the Israelites, and then now finally during the captivity, they would get rid of their idol worship. And now we have a, a bloodless uh, Judaism because they have synagogues now. We don't have the sacrifices. Are they prepared to start them up again? Yes, there's going to be that third temple start during the tribulation time, and they're going to start the sacrifices again. But they were influenced by Judaism. We just read in Esther how that many of them, what, became Jews. Mordecai, very influential. And then among the God-fearing Gentiles of the day. So there were God-fearing Gentiles of the day. Can you name me a God-fearing New Testament Gentile that received the Lord? He also played on the Planet of the Apes, the original one. He was the, the guy. His name was, didn't play that part, but his same name, sorry. Cornelius. Cornelius. God What was the lady in Philippi? Lydia. All right, so there were different God-fearing Gentiles during that year. I think the centurion, personal feeling, the centurion, he said, surely this was the... Son of God. Now, that's, again, uh, you don't have to agree with me, but that's, why would you say that unless he had affected your life? You don't have to. But there were, I think, the Ethiopian, uh, was the Ethiopian uh, baptized by Philip? I think he became a, a, a Gentile that was uh, God-fearing. So a lot of effect. Question number up there, why did they travel to Jerusalem? Because they had, through history, through training, they learned the king of the Jews would be born probably in the city of Jerusalem. That's the capital of the Jewish people. It still is today, regardless of what other people say. What would have been their reaction to, not, to no one knowing where he was born? The king was born. So they come in verse 2, and no one knows. Well, why do you think that was? 
Why, why is it that, why did the star, if it was, if you, and you may think it was, it was the Shekinah glory that came and they followed the Shekinah glory all the way from the east to Jerusalem, I, I don't think so, but that's, people believe that. Why didn't they just, the Shekinah glory, go to Simeon and Anna? If it's, if, it's, if it's just a localized brightness that travels like a little cloud they followed all the way from... What, weren't there people looking for the Messiah? Weren't Simeon and Anna looking for the Messiah? Yes. Why then do we have a star appearing to the Magi 500 miles away? Why the, If it's just... See, the answer is, I'm telling you, the more I've, I believe it's really a star. I mean, it's really a star. Now, there's a couple things in there we can't quite explain, maybe. That one part, verse 9, where it, it, it led them, sort of, kind of says, led them to Bethlehem. Why were they looking? Why? Good question. I think they were looking because they had been trained to look for that. I think they had been trained from Daniel on. They had the scripture, the prophecy is, is here Bethlehem Ephrathah. I don't know why they didn't go to Bethlehem if they had that scripture, but they went there because the king of the Jews. And so. Some things we can't say with certainty, but sometimes we just have to go back and say the Bible says that, and I just can't give you the complete answer for that right now. And it just it's it's it humbling sometimes to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question. They may have read the Book of Job. Book of Job. Yeah. That would they not have Daniel's prophecy where in Daniel chapter 9 he gives clearly how many years it is between this Abraham to David, David to the captivity, captivity to when the Messiah is going to be born, 483 years, he's going to be cut off. Wouldn't they have that prophecy? Yeah, I believe they would have, likely. Maybe not a copy for everybody. You're all thinking good. That's what I want. I want you to interact with the Scripture and and see what the Bible says. This, this is, this is, this is so isn't it exciting. Perhaps they're being respectful when you go to a country. Who's the first person? You really, if you're if you're a foreign dignitary, they're going to want to meet with the president or the vice president or someone or the secretary of state. Pretty much, one of those three people are pretty much going to when they come to our country, right? I think it's pretty much. I'm not sure how all that works, but good point. Yes. There's widespread expectation of a, a coming great king. How long had it been? How long had it been from the end of the Old Testament to Zacharias' announcement? 400 years. I saw the fingers. 400, I didn't mean, but 400 years, yes. 400 years where God is not speaking to people as he had. Now, it doesn't mean God doesn't minister to hearts. It doesn't mean that God does not work in lies. It means he has it, the scripture as he has he's not had these vocal prophets get up and declare, thus saith the Lord. So when John the Baptist comes on the scene, when the angel appears to Zacharias in the temple, that's God breaking all these things that had been, and they've been looking for, I, I think, I believe I've read where all the young ladies in Israel are looking for possibly to be the, the mother of the Messiah. I mean, I did not can say with certainty, but Mary was so highly honored to, to be that. There was great expectation of a coming king. Now remember, the king they wanted and the king they got, not what they thought they were going to get. They were looking for, who would you, somebody from history, who, who were they looking for? Someone like Napoleon, Napoleon yes, like Napoleon or 
Genghis Khan or I don't know, Schwarzkopf or somebody like that who was very good at horses. Some, somebody I don't, I don't, who would come in, Nebuchadnezzar-type king, that would, that would, or Saul of the first king, head and shoulders above everybody, and, and we want that, riding a big white horse, and we're going to overthrow whom? Rome. Times the Gentiles, however, is not over yet. Was it over then? I think it's close to being over. I think we're close to the end of the times of the Gentiles. But that's, again, personal, but we know he's coming back. And then uh, personal belief. I think he's coming back soon. Not only eminent, but soon. There shall. Now, number three, they were given a sign of his star. Isn't that interesting? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Seven, and they inquired diligently what time the star appeared. And nine, and when they heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east, went before them, came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, four times, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I think they only can put the rejoice with exceeding great joy when they realized they hadn't followed that star. They'd seen the star, hadn't followed, and they knew that's why they went to Jerusalem. If the star had led them from the get-go, it would have bypassed, I think, Jerusalem and right to Bethlehem. So they saw the star, and we'll talk about next Sunday. We'll close it up. What was that star? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, there's so much more we would like to have detailed, but that's where faith comes in. And Lord, we trust what you've told us is what you want us to know. May it Spur us, stir us up to studying your word. Thank you most of all. We can say this, all agree on this. Thank you for Christ who came to be born for us. He was born to die that we might live. Thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.